the blind stares of a million pairs of eyes looking hard but won't realize that they will never see the pee. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, 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 oh man! Greedy! Greedy? Huh. All right. Yes, sir. It's all eyes on Cleveland. We are back in full effect. After a Browns win over the Colts, they are 4-1, first time since 1994. We've got a jam-packed show tonight with an amazing guest in Steelers Week. We will talk to 12-year veteran cornerback from the Steelers, Ike Taylor, two-time Super Bowl champion and currently the co-host of Believe in Steelers podcast. He will join us for an incredible interview about everything going on with the Steelers, what to look for, uh, how this matchup presents itself. Lots to take away from that interview. It's a very fun interview as well. Um, I want to talk about Stefanski. Signs of change. Signs of change with this Browns team. After the game... The Colts game and the press availabilities. I have signs of change I want to point out to you. Plus, I'll have a little game reacts and points here and there that I want to point out. And we're going to take a look at Bleacher Report's power rankings. Because guess what? The Browns are rising up the rankings. You start getting excited. It's all eyes on Cleveland. Oh, yes. Four and one. The Cleveland Browns are four and one, and all eyes are truly on Cleveland. Mikey's on the ones and twos. I'm your host, Brad Ward. You can find all eyes on Cleveland, the podcast where all popular podcasts are found. Uh, we publish a show at alleyesoncleveland.com. It's the website. It's very nice, cool, chic, sleek, very nice looking, easy to uh, check out on mobile or your laptop or your desktop uh, or tablet. Uh, you can access all the shows there. Plus, we got show information, pictures, the shop for the t-shirts, the lucky the lucky All Eyes on Cleveland t-shirts that are just a, an absolute rage around town right now, flying off the shelves. Um, and uh, absolutely, this is a show where we interview the top personalities in the Cleveland and national landscape, sports landscape, discussing all of the pressing issues facing our Cleveland Browns. Uh, and tonight we will do just that. Uh, Mikey, go ahead and kill the music for me, sir. So, you know, the Colts, biggest test for the Browns so far, uh, passed with flying colors. And the thing is, I don't think the Browns played that well, folks. I They, they played well, and they're playing great complimentary football, and we're going to get more into this after the interview. Um when I do a little bit of game react, just a couple of points I want to point out here and there about the game, that things that I thought they did well and maybe some things that they need to work on. 
Um, plus, we will have, after the interview, signs of growth big time uh, from a couple players and their press availability. I want to point out uh, some things that maybe others haven't noticed that are actually, I think, huge signs of a change in Cleveland and a good things going on with Coach Stefanski, who should be applauded uh, hugely at this point because you know what? He is just doing a hell of a job, in my opinion, as the head coach of this football team. So we'll talk about that, and then, of course, we'll take a look at the Bleacher Report uh, power rankings because the Browns, the Browns are going up the power rankings, yes, and well-deservedly so. Uh, but tonight, very special guest. It is Steelers Week. It's a huge week. Um, and we were able to get uh, former Steelers cornerback, a 12-year veteran, two-time Super Bowl champion, Ike Taylor, uh, to join us. He's a co-host of uh, Believe in Steelers podcast at Believe, Believe in Podcasts, uh, which is a nice network there. They have a lot of former players and things like that. Um, and we were able to get him on the show here to talk about the huge matchup this weekend. And I don't want to waste your time any further because it's a fantastic interview. So I'm going to get you to that. Uh, but stay tuned when we come back because we got more of the show too. Uh, but first and foremost, enjoy uh, Ike Taylor uh, visiting with us here on All Eyes on Cleveland. Tonight we have a extremely uh, special guest. Uh, joining us on All Eyes on Cleveland. He is a two-time Super Bowl champion, uh, is currently the co-host of the Believe in Steelers podcast on Believe Podcast, and I'm sure that he has haunted many of your Browns fans' dreams many a times. Uh, he is the one and only Ike Taylor. How are we doing today, Ike? I'm good, bro. How you doing? We're doing fantastic. Uh, extremely happy to have you uh, on here during Steelers Week uh, to uh, talk about this uh, matchup. I wanted to start with you here with uh, Ben Roethlisberger. He uh, misses most of last season uh, with uh, an elbow injury where he ripped three of five flexor tendons in his right elbow. Um, many people questioned his uh, return. But he has looked spectacular so far in his 17th season, 10 touchdowns, one interception, a 110 quarterback ranking. Um, is he all the way back to the same Ben Roethlisberger that he was before? I mean, just excuse me, just being present on the field um, towards the young guys, towards the organization, towards the what he can do um, for the organization, extending plays, be, being a seasoned veteran, understanding the game of football, mentoring kids, mentoring teammates, um, just his presence alone. I don't think he really worry about the arm. Um, I think he's smart enough right now to not overdo anything, take chances when he need to, and it's more of a feel for. And what I mean by feel for, it's more of a uh, seven not putting his arm at risk because he knows he's the franchise quarterback. Seven, understand in some games, if we game plan it, we're going to pass the ball all day, but the running game is looking better than the passing game, we're going to run the ball. So um, I don't think it's on right now. I think Ben is smart enough. He's been in the league long enough to understand what he needs to do now as a franchise quarterback, not only to keep himself healthy, but at the same time mentor and manage the game. Yeah, that makes total sense. Absolutely. He, uh, Certainly is uh, the Wiley veteran and, and has been pick, picking people apart, certainly in the short pass game as well. 
Um, last week against Eagles, we saw a special performance from rookie wide receiver Chase Claypool. Uh, he kind of had his coming out party, four touchdowns, gaudy performance. Uh, for me, I liked him a lot coming out of the draft, uh, and it appears that he is picking things up pretty quickly. I noticed that the Steelers are uh, kind of using him all over the field, lining him up in different places, and, and I know they wouldn't be doing that if he wasn't, um, you know, picking up the offense quickly. What makes him so special, uh, Ike? His IQ. And what, what, I, what, I, what I mean by his IQ, his IQ being – being able to go in the slot, being able to play the X or the Z receiver. Um, and I think this COVID has been a blessing and a curse, not only to guys in the front office to, so they can get on their on they stuff, not only the coaches so they can buckle down and get on their stuff, but as well as the players. So when you're a player and you want to get on the field, right now all you know is football. Like uh, a lot of guys have talent. You want to talk about an NFL, it's the best of the best. So what separate guys? It's guys who, who wants to learn, who wants to understand week by week, being consistent regardless of whether you're a rookie or whether you're a seasoned veteran guy who's been playing for 15 years. Um, some talents are better than others. Like I felt like I was good and I had a lot of talents, but I played with Troy Palomalu and I understood Troy Palomalu's talents were better than mine. Mm-hmm. His Claypool talents is better than a lot of the other receivers the Pittsburgh Steelers have on that team because, one, he could be a Deontay – Johnson, where he can beat you 70 yards going down the field. Or he can go in between the numbers and, and catch compact passes, as they would say. Or he, his IQ level, like a juju, but his IQ level is, is so far and beyond, that's why you see him on the field early and often. And usually as rookies, you only see him stick to one side of the field because it's hard to, to understand that playbook. But for a guy like Chase Claypool, live at the X or the Z or in the slot, that's letting you know how high his IQ is at an early stage in his career. Most definitely. Uh, you can see that for sure and uh, definitely saw it against the Eagles. Can he, like, do you think he can be uh, the Steelers, like, number one receiver going in the future? Because the way I look at their receiving core, it's like, okay, Judy Smith-Schuster is a great receiver. Deontay Johnson, great talent. Same with James Washington. They're loaded at receiver. But none of Chase those is, guys. Chase is a number one receiver. That, yeah, Chase, that's what I was going to add. Chase is a number one receiver. And the yeah. reason why Chase is a number one receiver is because he's a threat at all three positions, whether you want to put him at the X, the Z, or the slot position. He, he's a threat. He's a mismatch on corners. He's a mismatch on linebackers. He's a mismatch on safeties. And that's a problem. And he just so happened to have the size to do it. Now, the other thing I do like about Chase Claypool is he does something which which you have to have a want to. And for being a cornerback, you got to want to tackle. You can cover all day, but you got to want to tackle. Mm-hmm. But Chase, he wants to block. And he understands how, how important a block is to the run game. Just watch him on the highlights from Notre Dame. So that's what, that's, that's what, that's what I think separates Chase from a lot of Guys, Chase IQ is high at a young age, let alone he has the physicality to go anywhere you want him to go on the field. Now, Chase has all Chase has to do is be consistent. I saw and I read what, what, what Joe Hayden said about Chase in training camp, and when you want to talk about a seasoned veteran guy like Joe Hayden, 
who's yep. seen numerous of receivers, checked numerous of receivers throughout his course of his career. But when he mentioned a guy like Chase and how much of a problem he could be, he's letting you know how good he is this early. No question. That's impressive. Really impressive. Uh, obviously, we to hear that from Joe Hayden as well. You're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland with tonight's special guest, Ike Taylor. Uh, played for the Pittsburgh Steelers for 12 years and known very well in Cleveland. As I mentioned before, two-time Super Bowl champion and co-host of the Believe in Steelers podcast. Uh, so the Browns faced the Colts last week. Uh, again, it was kind of their first test against what was considered a really good defense. Um, but the Steelers' defense is better, in my opinion, and I think probably in most opinion, uh, despite what the rankings say or whatever. Some of those numbers can get skewed, right? Um, definitely uh, with the pass rush, KJ, or TJ Watt, pardon me, Bud Dupree, um, going up against uh, the, the Browns' offensive line. What makes this defense so elite? Oh. <sighs> It's the consistency on how they've been playing since midseason last year. I mean, to be called an elite defense, you got to be consistent over the course of a couple of years. Right now, they're on a consistent trail. You know, like they they started the season off, they knew what they had to do with the four-string quarterback last year uh, by keeping their team in games, by not letting, you know, opposing teams put up points on them. Now you're seeing what they're doing this year. Yeah. So it's just the consistency, and let alone, man, between the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers, they got a lot of first-round guys on that defense, and it's yeah. starting to all come together. So, but, you know, you got a coach staff and Coach Butts on the defense coordinator, Coach Mike T. I'm sure he has a lot of input into it. You know, they know what they're doing as a coaching staff. So that's what it is. When you think about Pittsburgh, you think about defense, and you're starting to see the defense of old, uh, from from the 70s to the early 2000s, now you're just looking at what he's doing right now, and you're like, okay, that's a Pittsburgh still a looking defense. It sure is. It sure is. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. Um, are there so as like as you know, you look at the Browns' offense. Like, are there any weaknesses or points that can be taken advantage of as far as like the Steelers' defense goes? Nah. No. The only weakness the only weakness to the Browns offense is the consistency of Baker Mayfield. If Baker Mayfield stays consistent, the Browns offense will be held week in, week out. And the reason why Baker Mayfield will stay consistent is because of the run game. I think the Cleveland Browns has the best tandem of running back with a healthy Nick Chubb and a healthy Kareem Hunt. So you got those two guys <laughs> you got those two guys going into the game. Um, when you know you're starting, and now OBJ and Jarvis Landry, they're buying into, okay, this one game will help open the play-action pass game for us. You know, so in between, you know, um, Njoku, Hooper, uh, tight ends, and, they, man, Baker still has it all. Whatever yeah. he wants to pull out, whatever whatever he wants to pull out his garage as far as, like, whatever season it is, if he wants the Lambos and the Ferraris and the Bugattis <laughs> in the summertime, he's going to pull out. OBJ and Jarvis Landry. If he wanna, if it's the winter time, or say like it's the fall time. If if it's the fall time and he wanna go with the with the pickup trucks or the dually trucks, he gonna look at his tight end. <laughs> if he just wanna go in the snow and just plow with the big six fifty for trucks, he gonna look at Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. So he got everything he's looking for. Like he got everything at his disposal. Now it's on him to manage that disposal. You know what I'm saying? I think. 
right now he's finally getting in the rhythm. The head coach is doing a great job of, of keeping him up, keeping him in the rhythm, understand what Baker is good and what he isn't good at. But it starts with that running game. Um, Ike, as far as this matchup goes, and you, I think that um, we would probably agree that, you know, that offensive line versus the, the pass rush of the T.J. Watt and Bud Cree and versus Jedrick Wells and Jack Conklin is a kind of strength-on-strength strength matchup. What What is the most important matchup between these two sides on Sunday? Is it in the trenches? Is it position players? It's the play-action pass for the Cleveland Browns versus the eyes of the linebackers in the secondary of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach LeBeau used to say all the time, your eyes can be your best friend or your worst enemy. When you have a team that's built on running game and they off their running game, they have flags and pass. If your eyes get caught in the backfield numerous times as a linebacker or as a secondary guy, guys will be running wide open. So um, for the Cleveland Browns, um, I don't think they're worried about nothing. I think coaches going into this meeting, um, understanding on Sunday exactly what I'm saying. Uh, we will win the ball game if the Pittsburgh Steelers defense eyes isn't their best friend, and 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 that's down to the point down period. Hmm. Interesting. That that's not something I thought of, but you're absolutely right. That'll be uh, crucial for sure. Um, once again, you are listening to All Eyes on Cleveland. Very special guest Ike Taylor joining us, uh, co-host of Believe in Steelers podcast, two-time Super Bowl champion, twelve-year NFL veteran for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, Last year, Ike, Miles Garrett incident and all that ugly mess that occurred uh, the last time these two teams faced. Um, now they meet again for the first time since then. Obviously, coaching staff has turned over in Cleveland and everything. Does this, um, does what happened last year get any attention this week in the Steelers locker room with Mike Tomlin? No, nah, I mean, that's, that's for us to talk about. Um, Coach yeah. P already gave his analogy on it. Yeah. Coach ain't worrying about that. Coach P's trying to go five and zero. Like that's that's what happened in the past. It's like getting a new girlfriend. Like man, then you you you. It's it's like it, it's like letting go of your old girlfriend, but she want to come back, and you over with the past. You over with the past with her. So it's it's the same it's it's the same thing as it's Coach T. Coach T not worrying about the past. That was 2019. Whatever happened in 2019 let that happen. Man, it's 2020, and I'm trying to get my boys and my kids ready for what's going on on Sunday, and that's trying to prepare and win this ball game. So this is something that I, I really wanted to ask you, and it's so this matchup, right, has been viewed as a rivalry by Cleveland fans and players for a long time, right, Ike? But at the same time, I look at this since '99 when the Browns came back. It has been pure domination by the Steelers. For you, when you played as a player, did you view this as a rivalry? Probably not, right, because of the domination? The rivalry is the Baltimore Ravens. And the reason why the rivalry is the Baltimore Ravens is because of stability. Cleveland hasn't had stability, not only only in the front office, but not even as a head coach. So you got three head coaches from the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we're talking about the 1970s. Uh, Coach Jim Harbaugh has been with the Baltimore Ravens going on. 16, 17 years. That's stability. Uh, then we go further. We look at the general manager side. Kevin Colbert has been with the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think, since 2002, but he's from 
Pittsburgh. Then you look at Ozzy. Ozzy has been with the Baltimore Ravens. He established number Hall of Famous, uh, I guess, the 2002-2003 as well. So you look at the stability part, and that's what that's what, that's what Cleveland fans got to understand. When you want to talk about rivalries, we take it further than games. We're not even going to mention games because between coming out of AFC North, it's either the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Baltimore Ravens, and you want to talk about Super Bowls out of AFC North, it, North it's between the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Baltimore Ravens. So when, when you say rivals, we look at rivals. As players, we look at rivals like that. Okay, we got the same kind of blueprint. And, I mean, we as in the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens, we want to draft guys who, who, don't, who, who doesn't mind the cold, November, December, January, February football. We, we want to also put ourselves in position, positions to win ball games year in and year out by good head coaches, which the two have. Um, we got stability, which the two have. We got a good fan base, which the two have. But it's all based on the persistence and the consistency of the organization, and it starts with the ownership. So when you look at it like that, no, as, as, as a player, I don't look at the Cleveland Browns as a rivalry. Now, Cleveland Browns start winning championships, and being in control of the AFC North, it might be a little bit different. But until then, no, you're never even looking at it like that. So you're just looking for consistency, and that's something the Cleveland Browns haven't been doing. They've been very inconsistent over the course of a lot of years. Yeah, no question. That's, that's outstanding stuff. And I kind of probably felt uh, that or thought that you felt that way or players thought that way maybe. Um, certainly about the, the Ravens, you know, with all the legendary battles between the two teams. Um, and so what do the Browns have to do? Like you kind of said, if they if they win a, a North, do you think they have to win a division to be considered a rival again like that or, or demand that kind of respect? Yeah, you got to win it. You, you got to, you got to win, you got to win the AFC North. And and we're, we're talking over years. Yeah, you know when you talk about the AFC North since 2000, all you're talking about is the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Ravens. Since 2000, it's 2020. Since 2000, it's 2020. Yep. And the only two teams you're talking about coming out the AFC North is the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. So that's that's what I mean by consistency. And the only two teams who've been winning championships out the AFC North has been the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. You you talking about consistency? So it, there is no oh I beat you this year. Like ain't no ain't nobody worrying about no I, I beat you this year. Okay, can you represent the AFC North by going to the Super Bowl and winning? They haven't done it. No, you're and right. By the end of the day, when it's all when it's all said and done, yeah, if you come out the AFC North, we want you to represent. Mm-hmm. We want you to represent the AFC North because the AFC North stands for physicality. That's the. In one word, the AFC North, point blank, point blank, period, stands for physicality, period. Taking souls out of grown men. <laughs> That's just what it is. And if you ain't bringing that to the table, you can't come to the table, man. You got to sit on the side and eat by yourself. Yeah. Um, with the uh, Steelers uh, starting 4-0, Baltimore four and one, the Browns four and one. Are they by far the best division in the NFL right now? Yeah, hands down. Yeah, I mean, between four and one, four and one, and four and zero, oh, hands down. That's that's the best division. That's that's the toughest division right now. Yeah, you know now 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 when you're in that division, you ask yourself, who's the weakest link? 
Yep. So you don't want to come out of this division and be the weakest link. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely not. Okay, uh, I wanted to ask you this question about this. Uh, I hope you don't mind. So obviously I've, we've heard this before, and I, I know you've done an interview on it before, but is it true right, that you listen to music while in your helmet while playing so games? True. So true, yeah. And how did so you true. set that up? Man, you know, so you, I use the same format that the quarterbacks have and the captains have on defense. <laughs> Yeah. With their with their uh with the earphones. I just wind up Bluetooth and everything. And you know the nano. If you know anything about Apple, you know the small little nano. Yep. So yep. I just wind up taping a little nano to the inside of my uh inside of my shoulder pads and I just took off. Like I ain't tell nobody. My teammates knew, but I ain't tell nobody to after the fact. So yeah, I used to be jamming all the time music. Uh, <laughs> I played with these guys long enough so I understand coming from the sideline what the signals was and you know everything. Everything goes into a fall during the play, so I, yeah. I, I'm able to jam after the play. But during the play, I can't hear nothing. I'm so laser focused on what's going on. Um, you don't hear crowds. You don't hear noise. Everything just becomes like a cloud, like you're floating. <laughs> so if you ever play in the NFL, once the ball is snapped, all you hear is, all you feel is a flotation, like you're in the cloud. Now, once the play is over, you hear the crowd reaction, you hear the coaches, you hear your homeboys, you hear, you hear all that, your teammates, you hear all mm-hmm. that, you hear the heavy breathing. But in between times, man, ain't nothing but, ain't nothing but a cloud you feel like you're floating on. Yeah, I was going to ask you if it felt like, like, I would think that would, like, help, you know, like the music, you know, it has the music at points, maybe, like, if you're tired or whatever, you know. I got, that from, I got that from, from guys because I'm a huge X Game fan. So I used to see all a lot of the snowboarders and the skateboarders, man, they used to play music while they're going down the slopes right. while they're skateboarding. And I'm like, dang, that got to feel good. <laughs> Why they doing that? Like, then they sure. don't know. So I, sure. I just tried it, and I just stuck with it. That's awesome. That is such a cool story. I wanted to ask you about that. All right, I just have uh, one one question left here for you, and I just wanted to ask you, because I think it, you may have relationships with these guys. Le'Veon Bell released. Now a free agent. Um, would you consider that he may? Would he ever consider you think, in your opinion, coming back to the Steelers, or is that is there too much damage there? Um, being biased, I hope he do. But mm-hmm. just off of what some of his teammates said about his money, I can mm-hmm. understand why he wouldn't, because that's a golden rule as a professional player. You never talk about another man's money. Um, when your time came for your contract and for you to get money, ain't nobody talking about your money because we don't know your situation. So um, I think that's a golden rule that, that, that had been broke for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, but biasly, biasly speaking, um, I would love to see Le'Veon back in black and gold. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, they certainly knew how to use him correctly, that, that's for sure. Um, and uh, Antonio Brown, uh, do you have a relationship with Antonio? I know he'd be. Haven't talked to him in a while, but I know him. Okay. Do you think he'll uh, play again in the NFL, in your opinion? Uh, I hope he does. Because he was on a six-year run um, where you couldn't stop him. He was on a Hall of Fame run for six years, I thought, in my mind, off of what he was doing game in and game out. Um, And you knew you had to double him. You knew sometimes you had to triple him, and he still was making plays. Yeah. 
So what, Ike, uh, you uh, were fantastic today. I appreciate your time. Uh, I wanted to, uh, you know, uh, watch you, you know, my whole life, you know, play for the Steelers, obviously, as a Browns fan and, uh, you know, uh, admirer of your game for sure. I love what you guys are doing with the podcast, so uh, that's awesome, too. Um, and uh, they can find that uh, podcast, and that's Believe in Steelers, where uh, all popular podcasts are found. Is that correct? Yes, sir. All right. And uh, so Chad out, uh, co-host of Believe in Steelers podcast. Uh, you have a prediction for me here before we go? Steelers uh, Browns? Close game. I think the Steelers okay. come, come close game. I think the Steelers are going to pull it out, but I think it's going to be closer than what people can expect. Interesting. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I did too. I, t- I, I was told uh, somebody I, I would take the over on this all day for sure. So, right. um, you know what, Ike? I appreciate your time so much, man. You were a fantastic interview and uh, a you, heck bro. of a nice guy. So I appreciate it, man. Appreciate you, bro. Thanks for the invite. At any yeah, any time, and uh, maybe we can have a begin in the future. Uh, you know, they do play twice a year, so maybe I'll I'll, I'll hit you up then. All right, cool. Thank you, bro. Thank you, Ike. All right. There it was, Ike Taylor, two-dime, two-time Super Bowl champion for the Pittsburgh Steelers, your special featured guest on All Eyes on Cleveland today, talking about uh, the monster matchup between the Browns 4-1 and and the Steelers 4-0 and on Sunday. He is the co-host of Believe in Steelers podcast shout out to believe podcast network for uh getting that hooked up for us here on all eyes on cleveland we are very thankful for that interesting stuff for sure mikey go ahead and kill it an awesome interview from him uh very cool stuff. I, you know, we heard the story about him listening to music in, in the helmet, and I had to ask him about that. I wanted to ask him about Le'Veon Bell. I thought the, the interesting stuff about the rivalry, it's kind of what I expected. You know, the Browns just, they aren't going to be viewed that way until they do it. And some are like, you know, hey, I'm sure they're being taken seriously this week, so don't get me wrong at 4-1, and one, but, you know, it's interesting to hear him say they got to win, you know, an AFC North and sustain some success um, before they can call that a real rivalry again. 
from his perspective because the rivalry for him was Baltimore Ravens, you know, because um, that's who has been battling for division titles all these years while the Browns have suffered. Interesting stuff there. Interesting thoughts on uh, Chase Claypool and uh, his thoughts on the Browns were very, you know, he thought we, the Browns had no weaknesses. So um, on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, so a great interview there and uh, a great get uh, with uh, Ike Taylor, a legendary Pittsburgh Steeler. We're going to follow that up uh, tomorrow night, getting you ready for this monster AFC North, uh, just just huge game on Sunday um, with Felix Wright, Browns legend, will join us tomorrow night, Thursday. So we are bringing, bringing it strong with some NFL players uh, uh, weighing in on the rivalry and the, um, the matchup on Sunday. So... Uh, good stuff there. Uh, I want to remind you that All Eyes on Cleveland is sponsored by Thrive Fantasy App. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thrive Fantasy App uh, is all prop bets, no lineups. You don't have to go up against the pros where the pros enter all those lineups, 150 different iterations of lineups, and it's completely unfair. This is prop bets. You pick the prop bets you want. They give you 15, so you pick 10. Um, and, uh, you rack up, uh, points and stack up cash, uh, at Thrive Fantasy app. Use the promo code EYEZ, E-Y-E-Z, as in all eyes on Cleveland. When you sign up today, you'll receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy, uh, on the App Store, Play Store, or by visiting www dot thrivefantasy.com sign up and prop up today i want to talk a little bit about the uh, colts game uh first and foremost here and the browns offense in the first half just they showed how dynamic that they can be and they've done this a couple weeks in a row now um but they really can be dynamic. They can beat you with a little bit of everything, and that's kind of what they did uh, in the first half of this game as it was the offense that dominated the first half and the defense that dominated the second half. Now, you know, the Browns are playing great complementary football, and that's just, you know, everybody together – one thing leading to another, offense leading to defense, defense leading to offense, special teams, etc. Uh, the special teams kick return was brutal, killer in that game, and it, and it kept it from being a much more lopsided affair. But let's start with kind of what the Browns did to this this aggressive front four from the Colts, right? that we know wanted to get out fast, they're talented, and get pressure on Mayfield. So if you were going to do like a how-to stop that type of an attack, you would do it the way Stefanski did it, and it was perfect. Um, He never let them tee off early on in the game on 
Mayfield. They want to put their hand in the ground and go and go get him. But the misdirection, right? So, you know, fake reverse, tight end screen, uh, bootleg, uh, regular reverse, you know, pass from Odell, all these things uh, keep them from being able to do just that and tee off. Instead, it's, you know, oh, wait, you know, I'm looking over here. They're going over there. We're looking over here, and they're they're throwing the ball down the field. I'm looking over there, and they're coming back here. So it that had them off balance from the start, uh, and it was a great plan of attack. Um, he stayed super patient with the run. And the Browns were able to play mistake-free football in the first half. And by doing that, where the defense wasn't great in the first half, but the offense dominated so much that it affected the defense, time of possession, um, and and they got them a lead of 20-10, to 10, and they controlled the entire first half. It was a dominant first half, no joke, nothing, you know. Baker was excellent. Um, I feel like Stefanski managed him well. He didn't really get him and put him in positions where he could make a lot of big mistakes. Um, and he threw the ball down the field well. Uh, but they stayed with the run. So they, you know, they were able to push the ball down the field and stay patient with the run at the same time. Extremely effective. Kept pounding those guys, knowing that it would pay off later in the game, and it certainly did. Um, you know, two penalties uh, in the in the entire game, I believe. Uh, Baker was able to feel pressure well in the first half and escape when he needed to, not taking any sacks, not any big holding penalties, never playing from behind the sticks. And what that did, and, and the Browns 10-17 on third down, right? Why? Because they, they kept it at third and manageable. They were always in... Third and threes, third and fours, third and fives, right? Where the defense can't say, oh, it's third and 12, here we go. Get, you know, get the horses out. We're coming after you, right? Nope, can't do it because they might run it. They could run a reverse. They could run a short pass, long pass, you know, screenplay. Everything is still on the table on third and short. On third and long, that's where they tee off. That's where they get aggressive. That's where they make their big plays. And the Browns were able to keep it third and manageable and take advantage of 10 out of 17 on third down. Just a tremendous job by the coaching staff and by Mayfield. Now, in the second half, okay, Mayfield throws a bad pick to Okariki. Not sure what he saw there because there was nothing there. I don't know if he uh, had his vision blocked or whatever, but the ball was just floated out to in an area where it didn't even reach the receiver, wouldn't have reached the receiver, right into Okariki's hands, who he just had thumb surgery earlier this week, was playing with a club on his one hand, still caught the interception. Uh, there was another guy there, too. I mean, it... Basically, it would have had to have magically gone through two Colts players to even uh, have a chance for the Browns receiver to catch the ball on that play. I'm not sure what he saw there. That was bad. The second interception, he, he just got crushed. 
It's when he got hurt his ribs and his wrist and everything that we're paying so close attention to this week. But um, that was questionable decision-making. And I'm going to circle back to Baker in a minute here. Uh, But the defense in the second half, the defense was dominant in the second half. And what we're starting to see is, and I've done a couple film breakdowns on this, but they scored nine points. Phillip Rivers kind of gave them seven as he got pressured, moved up in the pocket, and at the last minute, a big no-no if you're a quarterback. He just threw blindly out to the flat, and Ronnie Harrison was just sitting there. Uh, that was a layup, you know, pick six, and that was huge. Um, surprisingly, the Browns were able to take them off their game. They want to run first. Jonathan Taylor, 12 runs the entire game. I think uh, Hines had two or three. So took them completely out of what they wanted to do. They started playing through Phillip Rivers, uh, got a safety on him where he took a, a deep drop. Garrett, it was so deep on the drop and kept backing up that Garrett didn't even have to turn the corner on his guy, just basically straight rushed, got pressure on him. He threw it away, blatant uh, grounding penalty, safety, two points. Great job by Garrett. Great job by the defense. We just played with their hair on fire. Just, you know, uh, you know, Redwine with a huge interception, I'll be damned, you know, comes in and makes a play. He played 16 snaps, had like a 94 PFF grade. So he played really well out of nowhere. Um, it's a shame about uh, Harrison with the concussion. Hopefully we get him back soon because he was playing good football. Uh, they, they, It was complimentary football, one thing leading to another. Now, as far as the offense goes in the second half, it kind of started for Baker – This is one of the negatives of the game. Baker played a great first half up until the last drive of the first half, where as they started to get down into Colts territory and field goal range, he missed high on two straight passes that could have been completions and put them in position to score a touchdown there. Now, Let's talk about polar opposites from what we've seen in the past. Stefanski has been able to finish the first half managing the game well and scoring points at the end of halves with, you know, 20-some seconds, five seconds, three seconds in like three straight weeks. And that's what we're used to seeing done against us. What a breath of freaking fresh air. Unbelievably done by him and his staff uh, in the offense there. But on that last drive, you notice Baker get high again. Uh, high to a tight end. I don't know if it was Hooper or whoever. I think it was Hoop. And he missed him high. Uh, and he was open. He missed uh, another pass on that drive high, back to back. And then they go into the half. It's fine. They, they go up, you know, 20 10. They come into the half. He came out in the second half. And, you know, the two interceptions, one wasn't really his fault. The protection broke down. He got crushed as he was throwing it. Uh, But really, he threw another interception to Xavier Rhodes, who dropped it. So, you know, the easy come, easy go, right? And and that's – he would have had two either way, basically. He deserved – he deserved to, let's say it that way, right? Even though he got lit up on the one, it wasn't necessarily his fault. He basically threw another one that got dropped. 
So he didn't play all that great in the second half. And there are some statistics out there that show that he has had a huge drop-off as he goes from the you know, first half where his QBR is way high and then starts to fall off uh, incrementally into the fourth quarter where it's not good at all. Now, he's still playing winning football as far as I'm concerned, and he's doing what's being asked of him, even if it doesn't reflect always in the numbers down the stretch. Uh, he was wincing hard. I don't think he could really throw it much at the end. Um, and I think it may have even led to that third and nine run with uh, Dearness Johnson, who, you know, they go to that bread and butter pull play, no treader, doesn't matter. Hubbard, biggest play of his season, steps in there, delivers a huge block. Dearness Johnson, patient, finds the hole, squirts out, gets 28 yards. Absolutely huge play. Big block by Rashad Higgins. Uh, Rashad Higgins coming down um, the field. You see his hands go up in the air as they, once they realize they got the first down because that's ball game at that point, right? And it's huge to be able to salt away a win like that. Um, but as far as the offense goes in the second half, they didn't have the ball nearly as much, first of all, because of the chaos with the kick return and, and the interception and uh, the that back and forth there. But Miles Garrett is just, just a man on a mission, and he's got other talents up front there with him, and he has been spectacular. First, uh, uh, third player in the next-gen era, uh, so next-gen stats era, to have five-plus pressures in four straight games. And that list goes Aaron Donald, Von Miller, now Miles Garrett, to give you an idea at the level that he's playing at. So uh, there's just some kind of the takeaways uh, from the game. Uh, big win, but in my opinion, what is even more encouraging, it's a huge win against a good football team, and you didn't play your best football by any stretch of the imagination. There was points left out there. Uh, there was plays, uh, blown coverages on defense at times, um, and you still uh, were able to pull that game out by the nine-point victory, uh, over 30 points. Again, the Browns are the fourth uh, have the fourth, fourth most points of any team offensively in the NFL. So the offense is humming. It's dynamic. They found a way uh, to use Odell uh, as a decoy, as a guy they're going to throw to, as a guy uh, in the run game. Uh, Stefanski is just getting more creative. And with every week, as these guys start to get it with the lack of preseason and time together on the field the more they pick it up the better they seem to get and the more wrinkles he can add I mean he's scheming stuff open where you see um a you know a certain pass game concept that they have shown in a couple weeks in a row and then they run it against uh the Colts but throw in a wrinkle and it has them completely surprised and there you go. And that's the kind of stuff that he's doing well. Plus, obviously, 
uh, calling a great game, but obviously, you know, managing the game, managing the clock, managing Baker in a way that this is exactly what I was talking about when I said, you know, I expect from him the intellectual, smart organization uh, planned attack that keeps you in games and competitive. Guess what? They're doing that, and they're getting their players to step up and play well, and it's and it's better than that. It's better than just being competitive. They're beating good teams now, or they just beat a good team. Now they go into the Steelers game. I think the Steelers' defense is better than the Colts, but it can be exploited, especially, in my opinion, in the pass game. Now we're going to find out a lot about uh, what's going on health-wise, is I think they have two key injuries uh, on the offensive line uh, that I don't know if they're going to play or not. Uh, I believe it's DeCastro and Pouncey, uh, and that could be huge again. So, uh, you know, huge stuff there. As far as the Miles Garrett situation going into Pittsburgh, lots of talk today. I don't know if you heard the soundbite, but, you know, Mike Tomlin goes up to the, the, you know, the mic and he says something about, uh, we love being in the kitchen, etc., etc. The AFC North is like the kitchen right now. It's hot in there and we love it. Uh, mentioning the kitchen twice brought up a lot of, uh, comments from people around, uh, Cleveland radio yesterday and today. Is he taking a shot at Freddie Kitchens? Um, you know, people close to the, uh, you know, the Steelers organization saying they've never heard him use that phrase before. Oh, so, you know, I don't know. Take it what you want. Some people are saying that he would never do something like that. He, the last thing he is is passive-aggressive. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't put it really past him. It sounded almost like he was poking a little fun. But it's hard to tell with him because he's always talking with such intensity. It's difficult uh, to tell. But it's funny there. And then you get from the Brown side of things, the fans – wanting Miles Garrett to be named captain for this game. Um, here's what I would say. I get it, and it would be it would certainly put him in 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 the limelight at the forefront of things. Um, and he certainly deserves it. But I think, and I could be wrong, he could surprise us all, uh, but I think that, Stefanski is probably um, above that to a point where, like, hey, let's not make it about that. Let's not give them a reason to get pissed is the way I would put it. Let's not give them a reason to be fired up more or want to beat us more. Um, Not that they need any, you know, extra incentive in this huge game but sometimes things like that that rub a team the wrong way or if they felt disrespected and we know that they were angry and the Browns were angry last year both sides upset both sides taken up for their own side their own party uh but it's interesting how Ike Taylor brought it up talked about it he said that's gone that's to 2019. 
They're worried about trying to get to 5-0. Uh, the Browns should be worried about getting to 5-1. Uh, and one. Um, And so it, it would be in his best interest, in my personal opinion, Stefanski, to just refrain from that tempting uh, you know, deal of sending him out there as the captain and don't give them a reason to oh, find man. offense to anything that you're doing and get more fired up. Uh, don't don't fan the flame, right? Um, so that's what I would say. Uh, save it for another week. Uh, but Miles Garrett playing spectacular football, and there's some of my thoughts on the Colts game. Now, something that I really wanted to talk about tonight is buy-in. And once again, we're lauding Stefanski, but for good reason. So I want to talk about a couple things, some signs. Some signs of buy-in, some signs of growth, signs of change in the Browns organization, and something you can really get excited about. Let's take Hollywood Higgins, fan favorite, right? Um, Doghouse, Freddie Kitchens. Every reason to be upset, and he was, right? Doghouse, Freddie Kitchens, uh, re-signs the deal to everybody's glee, right? Uh, it comes back to the Browns. Loved it, right? Re-signs, comes back, one-year deal. I love that they did that. Good on them. But then he misses, well, he doesn't dress. He's on the active roster, but he doesn't dress. He's not active on game day at all this season uh, because of Kaderil Hodge, and more than likely, uh, Kaderil's ability to play special teams and his progress that he's showing as a receiver, his his work ethic to get better as a receiver, uh, probably put him in the good favor of the coaching staff. Plus, he's valuable on special teams as well. So he gets the wide receiver three position. He goes out. Donovan Peoples-Jones gets the, the you know, uh, tapped, gets called on because he is the next uh, kick returner. So he's up now uh, with JoJo Natson out. And then finally, we see uh, Higgins get called on, and he steps up big in the game. He gets a touchdown, the red carpet walk. We love it, right? We love it. You see the glee in, in, in the Cleveland Browns teammates around him just absolutely loving it that that he gets a touchdown like they love him right and the browns are coming together and you can see it you can see it offensive guys with defensive guys right these are the signs of growth who's the first person on the sideline to help d ernest johnson up and hit him on the helmet after he runs for the first down that clinches the game terrence money mitchell Who's standing together at the end of the game to make sure that everything, you know, the clock goes down and the game's over, that's it? It's uh, Beckham and Garrett and uh, Mayfield all standing together. Boom, ball game. Uh, It's offense and defense together. Complimentary football. Everybody working towards one goal. Back to Higgins, right? So Higgins has every reason to pout. He had every reason to to potentially be upset, and I thought maybe he was. But he gets in this game and plays his ass off. He is ready to go. He plays uh, great at receiver, uh, great routes, good blocking, good touchdown, huge block on the Dearness Johnson run. Um, 
And you can see he's in. He's into the game. And he stayed ready that whole time, which is huge. Then you hear him in the presser. And you've been wondering, and a lot of us have been wondering, is there a rift there? Is there a problem with him and the staff? He is so glowingly positive about the coaching staff. The staff believes in me. I know they believe in me, he keeps saying. Stefanski is the leader we need, he keeps saying. Things just glowing things about the staff, about Stefanski, about why things are different. Um, And immediately you realize there's no rift there. This dude has bought in. There's buy-in there. He has bought in. He stayed ready. His number was called. He performed. And he loves being a part of it. He just wants to be a part of the winning contribution. Like, you love that attitude from him. Like, how could any... That attitude is ideal. You want every player to be like that. No pouting. Nobody's down. I know he's been inactive. He could very well make a case that he's a better receiver than these other guys. But he didn't. He stayed ready, performed when he had the time, talks about the coaching staff like this, and you can see there's no rift. He's just bought in. Sheldrick Redwine, great example. Stays ready. Stays ready. Hasn't got a chance. Every reason to pout. Every reason to be upset. Plays 16 snaps, 94 PFF grade, interception, and a huge moment. Stayed ready. These are things that come from culture, from everybody in that locker room working towards one goal. Nobody uh, putting themselves over the team, right? It's about the win. It's not about I. It's about the win. And red wine, uh, Ronnie Harrison, Limited time here and there, but when he's in, he's playing with his hair on fire, playing football as best he can. Uh, huge interception return for a touchdown. Amazing to see. Unfortunate he's in concussion protocol. But you see the, these, these signs of growth, these signs of change in the Browns organization. And it comes with the winning, certainly. But with the winning comes this as well, right? And the right guy being in charge, the right guy showing that he believes in these guys, they were ready. Nobody was mad. Nobody had ego about the situation. They were ready when their number got called. And it was huge for the team. And it helped lead to another win, right? So the other thing, another sign. Watch Baker Mayfield and his press availability. Totally different than in years past. The what you are hearing from Baker is almost a complete echoing of what Stefanski says in his press conference when asked about the offense, this, that, the other. His answers are uh, in line, perfect lockstep with what Stefanski says. You know, 
the question about uh, the past and and this and you know everybody always Mary Kay always wants to bring up you know the first time since this or you know it's been since two thousand three that this or what she just always wants to bring that up for some reason and Stefanski answers it the same way uh, Baker answers it and Baker answers it the same way Stefanski answers it and it's we don't care about the past. We're caring about Pittsburgh right now, and that's it. One game, one goal for this week to go 1-0. and And they keep regurgitating that, but when your quarterback is echoing your head coach, there's something right taking hold there. There's something right going on there, and it's huge. Culture, buy-in, cohesiveness, togetherness, putting... Your ego aside for the betterment of the team. The sum is greater than the piece, the actual talent, like the parts. The sum is greater than the pieces and parts, right? It's, it's, it's absolutely refreshing and great to see. And those are signs, in my opinion, that this is starting to take hold. And that Stefanski looks like the right guy, not just because he's been great in games, but you're seeing these signs of guys buying in all the way. Buying in 100%. Staying ready, being about the team, putting the team first. No ego, no split offense, defense, all Browns, Together, moving in one direction. Fabulous. It's refreshing. It's outstanding. And Stefanski and his staff, Andrew Barry, all deserve applause for that. It's just, it's just been tremendous. It's been tremendous. Uh, and you can see the signs of it. It's incredible. This week is huge. No days off, man. No days off. You heard Stefanski on Monday. Victory Monday. What are you talking about? We're, we're working today. We're working. They 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 want it, and they get the Steelers in a absolutely crucial matchup. Once again, they'll be tested. They'll be pushed, and probably tested more than they have been by anybody yet this season. Clearly, they will be. But I think they have what it takes. There's some injuries to worry about a little bit, but I think Baker will play, and I don't think that they would run him out there if he can't be effective. I think that um, the offensive line will be okay without Wyatt Teller. Hubbard has been a pleasant surprise as the fill-in guy on the right side of that line. Conklin for one week or for part of the game one week and then now uh, uh, for uh, at right guard um, and filling in there and doing an incredible job uh, there the other day. He's going to need to do it again on Sunday um, as Teller uh, was week to week with the, uh, the, the right is it a right or a left, Mikey? It doesn't matter. Cast strain week to week. Week to week doesn't sound great, in my opinion. I'd probably be surprised if he played on Sunday. Uh, I think it'd probably be Hub. 
Um, but we'll see. Uh, either way, they can still run the ball. And the Steelers' defense, in the, and we'll get into this more tomorrow with um, Felix Wright and, and and more into we take a closer, deeper look at at this at this game to an, take another level peeled back uh, uh, with this matchup. But as far as their defense. They clearly can be scored upon, right? I mean, look what Philadelphia did to them. I mean, they were running up and down the field on them scoring. So I tr- fully trust that Stefanski will put in a great uh, game plan. Got to neutralize that pass rush. Huge matchups at the tackles versus the ends. Dupree and Watt just have been incredible this year. Uh versus Jedrick Wills, Jack Conklin. Huge matchup, strength on strength right there. That will be a huge matchup in this game. If you can protect Baker Mayfield, I think you can move the ball in the pass game, and I think they will be patient with the run game and stay with it as they should because there are yards to be had there as well. It may not be easy going out, running for 300 yards. Uh, it may be more like the Colts, where sometimes you're running into a lot of contact right at the line of scrimmage, but it wears you down, and it and then when you really need it, you get a big play here or a big play there or 10 yards on first down from Hunt, and then Dearness Johnson for five, and it starts to wear on teams. This is all great stuff. I expect to see it on Sunday. The one thing we haven't seen since week one is Baker fall behind. I think an early score will be huge for the Browns in this game because, once again, their offense works better when they are neutral with the team, close with the team, in a ball game with the team, or ahead versus an opponent. Because uh, everything looks the same. They have to honor the pass, the run, the reverse, the screen, all of it. Um, And it takes their legs out from under them as far as pass rush, aggressiveness, etc. And we'll have more on that too tomorrow. I want to finish up here tonight, and I appreciate everybody listening uh, to All Eyes on Cleveland. It's a uh, great show here tonight. Uh, Great guest. Fantastic guest. So glad to have him on. Pittsburgh Steeler for 12 years. Ike Taylor. Make sure you uh, go back and listen to that interview uh, if you're just hearing this part of it. But uh, of the show, uh, tremendous stuff from him getting us ready for the big game. Uh, So the Bleacher Report um, power rankings are out. And boy, are they something to see for Browns fans. Green Bay Packers slide up to number one on a week where they uh, did nothing, right? Seattle Seahawks, two. Kansas City Chiefs, three at four and one. I disagree. I would have the Chiefs still probably at one, in my opinion. 
I don't care that they lost to the Raiders. Impressive performance about the Raiders. I think it says more about the Raiders than it does the Chiefs, in my personal opinion. Uh, the Chiefs are just loaded, and they look like, at times, uh, they're just kind of playing street ball out there. Uh, and that's kind of what it looked like uh, against the Raiders. Like, hey, we'll just do this. We can do what we want when we want. And they kind of got burned on that with against a disciplined team. Um and their defense isn't spectacular. That's it's just the same same stuff there. But they still, in my opinion, are the best team in the NFL. I wouldn't have dropped them at all. But they're at three here in this. At four, the Pittsburgh Steelers. After their win against the Eagles, which was a close game till the end, sort of. And Chase Claypool had a massive day. Four touchdowns. Um, but the Eagles moved the ball on them, and, and Wentz had a big day. And that stuff, to me, is encouraging more than anything, is that there is something to exploit there on their defense. But they are four in the power rankings. Baltimore Ravens all the way down to five behind the Steelers. Shocking! I don't know. I did. I think I disagree with that too. I would have the Ravens higher in these rankings. Number six, uh, the Buffalo Bills. This was before their beatdown via the Texans uh, on Tuesday Night Football, which was great, right? Can't we have it every night of the week? That would be spectacular, I think. Um, but then. There it is at number freaking seven in the entire NFL. The Bleacher Report has your Cleveland Browns at number seven. Number freaking seven in the NFL at four and one. That's some respect right there. That's some respect the Browns are getting right there. No freaking joke. Gotta love that. You gotta love that. From Bleacher Report's uh, power rankings, as we always take a look at power rankings around from here and there and CBS and other places, but all the way up at 7, the Rams at 8, Titans at 9, Saints at 10, Indianapolis Colts at 11, Patriots 12, Tampa Bay Bucks 13, Bears 14 at 4 and 1. Uh they don't think the Bears are really for real uh apparently uh at 4 and 1 because they've got them behind some 2 and 2 and 3 and 2 teams in this. Uh I I don't really think that the Bears are totally for real either. Uh to be honest, Arizona Cardinals 3 and 2 at 15. The Las Vegas Raiders. Three and two, up three spots after their win over Kansas City. Uh, 16th overall in this ranking. Carolina also three and two, off to a good start. 17 uh, overall in the power rankings via Bleacher Report with Matt Rule at the helm. The Dolphins at 2-3 and three, at 18, and the Cowboys at 19. 
uh, in the power rankings, and that's uh, where I drew the line as uh, I don't really care about the rest of them. Uh, but, uh, you know, interesting stuff there. Um, as the Browns all the way up at seven, three AFC North teams in the top ten. That's uh, that's impressive. Booyah to that uh, for sure. All right. Uh, this has been another incredible jam-packed edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. Mikey has been great on the ones and twos. Big shout-out to Believe Podcasts for getting the hookup with Ike Taylor, two-time Super Bowl champion uh, and co-host of the Believe in Steelers podcast to help get us ready for the monster matchup this weekend. Um, for sure, it is going to be an epic one for the first time in a long time. And he talked, we talked about the rivalry with him, and I totally get where he's coming from. And I expected him to say that uh, about the rivalry. But for us, and, and for this week, it's on, man. It's freaking on. Uh, and uh, this this is going to be special, uh, a special game. Uh, I've got a good feeling about it. I feel uh, like the Browns are ready to really, really announce their arrival. Um, we'll have tons more uh, tomorrow night with another special edition uh, with the great Felix Wright, Browns legend, uh, as we have uh, two incredible interviews this week, getting you ready for Browns Steelers in Pittsburgh. There we go. We'll just do that. We'll just do that. We'll get you out of here on that note. But uh, certainly, um, going to video, got some video equipment on Prime Day, getting it geared up, getting ready as the day approaches when we take the next step here on All Eyes on Cleveland. I hope that you are there for it with us uh, as we appreciate your support. Go to the website, leave us a review. If you hate it, if you don't like what we're doing, let me know. That's perfectly fine. I can take it. We want the feedback. We just want to get better. We just want to bring you a better show every single time out. Uh, for Mikey on the ones and twos, big thanks to Believe Podcast for getting us Ike Taylor on Steelers Week. It's going to be huge. Stay with us tomorrow night for Felix Wright. For Mikey on the ones and twos, I am Brad Ward. This has been All Eyes on Cleveland, and we are out. Yes, sir.